Morning. Well, my wife's been gone for three days, and I'm speaking this morning twice, and I've had my three children for three days by myself. She's been gone to the beach. That's where she's been. Some girlfriends. It's amazing. Um, so I'm, I'm raw this morning. You're going to get what you're going to get. It's not so much because my wife's been gone, because I actually have had a lot of help, but it's actually because my wife's been gone to the beach. Um, it's more of an inner turmoil, like an emotional conflict than a mental, spiritual, kind of physical exhaustion. It's more of an emotional thing. Um, she texted me five times pictures of the beach. I, she FaceTimed me, and she said, you want to see it again? I haven't talked to her about this, but in, I said, yeah. <laughs> she went out and turned the camera around, and I was like, yep, there it is again. You're still there. So you guys just pray, pray for me. It's, uh, she's on her way back, thank God, so I can end, my jealousy can end. No, I miss her. It's been awesome. Hung out with my kids. They probably watch too much TV, and, but it's Okay. I used to try to be Mr. Mom. Do we have any dads that when your wife goes out of town, it's like you try to be homemaker? Anybody? Just me? Okay, yeah. You can, and, and I've realized in my spiritual maturity that it's impossible. And so I'm a, either a one or a two on the Enneagram, I'm not really sure. But I definitely switched to a nine when my wife goes out of town and I have all my kids by myself. It's like, is everybody happy? Great. You want to eat cookie cake for breakfast? Awesome. Go for it. It's just for a season. And we just press pause on life until she gets home. Um, if some of you were here this past Sunday, you, you actually got a chance to hear Reed's comment. He's my seven-year-old. Um, you heard Reed's comment about the $50 bill. Can we show the, just the $50 bill, the normal one? He looked at that after getting a $50 bill for his birthday and said, Mom, that looks like Chad Norris. So we had, uh, we had someone do a little bit of work for us and um, just to see. There he is. It looks like it belongs. It's amazing. I don't know who did that, if Armando did that or Brian. I'm not sure, but incredible. It was keys. Everybody give keys a hand. got to look at it. It's amazing. <laughs> well, um, God's doing a lot right now. Football's coming, right? NCAA and NFL are about to start. Um, deer hunting is coming. Cooler weather is coming. You know, I had a thought this morning that if God can do it in this building, he can do it out there. We just got to hold on in faith and agree. <laughs> when you walk out the doors, you need to think to yourself, if he can do it in the building, he can do it again in the outdoors. Because he does it in here. It's amazing. <laughs> All right. I want to look at Psalm 27, and, and I want to just be up front um, this morning that I'm going to be a little bit shorter on the message because I'm literally, this is going to be an altar call. Now, I'm a Baptist boy at heart, 
So how many Baptists we have in your room? We know what altar call means. So I don't want you to think the way you've just traditionally thought of altar call, but I am definitely giving a prophetic invitation. I feel like Father's given me something of, of a invitation, like he's given me something to hand to us, to our spiritual family. And last Sunday night, we had a, a real encounter with, with the Lord and experienced this amazing sense of devotion to Jesus and the perfume of of intercession and worship just kind of filled the building. And um, for maybe 15 or 20 minutes, we were just on our faces. And it was actually during the speaking time. And um, God just really took over. And, and it was just this sense of desire for God and, and him meeting us in that desire with his desire for us. And, and so I really believe that there, there's an invitation that we're going to respond to. And I know a lot of times at 9 a.m. We're, we're moving into the second service, so we don't get a lot of time to respond. But I believe that God is doing something. He showed me a, a picture of him lighting a torch. Not a torch that isn't already lit, but almost like a rekindling. I saw him throwing just like gasoline on the fire of intimacy with God in our spiritual family. I really believe that's what he's doing and bringing some clarity. Because really... A culture of revival or a culture of the kingdom is really simply a group of people, a group of believers that are gathered together or that live in community that know the Father. It's not so much about us. It's about him. We, revival is really knowing God. That's why Paul's praying. I, I'm praying that you would know him more in Ephesians 1. He's praying in Ephesians 3 that you would just have the capability to know his love, because if you know his love, then you'll walk in his power. If you know his love, you'll walk in his victory. Notice his, not yours. And I'm convinced, as we're reading even this Psalm 27, I want you to think about this, that the Christian life is less about being a conqueror and more about being conquered. Being conquered by God. If I become conquered by God, then I will manifest that victory. The greatest victory in your life is where you come to a place like David did, where he said so many times in the Psalms, God is my stronghold. I have a problem. I have an issue. A lot of people say, I've got this stronghold of this or this stronghold of that. David said, I have a problem. I have an issue. God. And my aim this morning is to not magnify your weakness, but to magnify God's strength. And we can see it in Psalm 27. We're just going to read it together. Starting in verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. I'll pause there for a second. As I was looking at this scripture, I came across a, a quote from Spurgeon. He said this, he said, they stumbled and fell. God's breath blew them off their legs. This was literally true in the case of our Lord in Gethsemane. When those who came to take him went backward and fell to the ground, when he said, said I am he. And herein he was a prophetic representative of all wrestling believers who rising from their knees shall by the power of faith throw their foes upon their faces. Let's look at verse three. 
Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me. God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not, turn over to the, do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. What's amazing about this scripture is it, it showcases something that we see in the life of David but it also showcases something that we see in the reality of God. In the life of David, David at this point was probably king. He was talking of the temple and temple worship and he's talking about all of the enemies that had risen up against him. So at this point, David had probably risen to a climax of his influence, a climax of his, his, his net worth, of his, of his literal riches of being the king as far as any area of power or desire or the ability to obtain pleasure, he had come to the climax, to the peak. And so at that peak of military power and at the peak of the ability to take pleasure in the pleasures of this life, not just because he's human, but because he's a rich human (laughs) He says in Psalm 24, Psalm 27, 4, one thing I desire. He contrasts really two things. One is that as he's talking about God's defense, he's not just talking about a God who he believes will save him, but he's talking about something that is even more dear to his heart or more, more, more desired than being saved. And even maybe the reason he wants to be saved is so that he can go back before the Father and gaze upon his beauty again. You'd think that at this height of military power that David would be in a less dependent state on God. The truth is, we know this is the truth throughout the word, that the strength of men is as weakness to God. So David, being someone who'd been hit by the spirit of truth and revelation, understood 
that all of his strength that he had was found in God and that without God, he could literally do nothing. He could not defeat the enemy. There's something about understanding that no matter how strong you are, in comparison to God, you are very, very weak. And we have to understand that this journey in faith and what God is actually inviting us into is less about coming to this place of strength and coming to this place of strength. And I know we call it strength in God, but sometimes we cross the line and we cross it obviously by somehow laying hold of God's strength inside of us, taking his armor on us and going, this is awesome armor, my armor that God has given me. Yeah, he gave it to you, but it's still his. It's not yours. So when you start to have this, this prideful switch, this, this little tendency in your mind that because God has given you a gift or because God has given you a certain level of influence or a certain level of wealth that somehow you have come and attained some level of strength or stature, your stature came from God. And it didn't just come from him it's still his. And so a life that is lived toward God is a life that is lived in a constant awareness that I am weak. Even the strength I have came from him and still belongs to him and he can take it in a minute. And so my heart posture isn't a heart posture of feeling strong in myself. It's a heart posture of feeling weak in myself. Strong in him. Alone, I have nothing. That's why James told rich people to weep and wail. Because there's something about attaining some level of power, influence, strength, money, affluency that we can be tricked by the deceitfulness of life, deceitfulness of riches, that somehow we can have it, that we can hold on to it, that when God gives us something, that we can hold on to it as ours when it's actually his to begin with and his even now. Your breath is his. So your journey into maturity isn't a journey into self-help or just pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's actually a journey of becoming lower and lower and lower and more dependent and more dependent. And no one looks at a dependent person and goes, wow, look at that. Look at that dependence. Wow, they're on welfare. Look at that. Strong, strong life. And what's awesome for us believers, especially in the Bible Belt, is it's liberating God's not asking you to be strong. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's not asking you to arrive. I'm sorry to let you down. But I am letting you down. Like, there's no charismatic formula. There's no conference. There's nothing. Like, you may not ever be as you should be. You're going to be learning his love for you, just his love for you. 
Let's start there. For the rest of your existence in eternity. There's only one place where we arrive as spiritually mature believers, and that's at his feet. If you want to arrive somewhere, arrive in his presence. If you want to attain some kind of strength, then get weakness. Grasp onto the ankles of Jesus and tell him that he's good. Get your eyes off of yourself and onto him and watch his strength manifest in that point of weakness. It's amazing, David, he doesn't see himself. This, this Psalm 27 is not the, the, it's not the words of a king. It's the words of a dependent. Of some, like a, it's the words of a, of a shepherd of, uh, who belongs in a kingdom who's asking for another king to come and save him as if he's just a peasant in a kingdom. But he's actually the king. It's amazing. Outside of, outside of God, we don't have any strength at all. I love this verse in Psalm 27, this verse 4. One thing, let's read it again, Psalm 27, 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. I've got to be honest, I've read scriptures like this before and scriptures where, like Paul said, that I've considered everything as trash except for knowing Christ. And I've focused on the fact that he considered everything trash or that David, in the midst of all of his options, said one thing I ask, and I just want to get to that place in God. This is my desire for the last four years, where it's one thing I desire, where nothing else competes. And you can just strive and try to attain that place of devotion and purity and, and, and rightness before God. But I think sometimes we approach consecration in a bad perspective. Consecration is less about becoming so strong that you're able to resist all the sins of life and you actually don't, you're not hungry anymore. That's why you fast, because he's filled you, because <laughs> you're so strong, you're so devoted. Some people are like, what am I going to do with my Christian life now if I can't be like that? You can be happy. Christian li- the Christian life of consecration is less about being serious in Christian disciplines. And it's more, if you can envision with me for a minute, it's more like Black Friday at Walmart at 7 a.m. or 6 p.m. the day before, now they're opening, when the big screen TVs are like half off. You don't see anybody walking through those Walmart doors going, I did it, I'm here. I have arrived. I want a half-price TV. Do you see how cheap I am? There's no slow clap for people who run to Jesus. Where else would you run? That's what what Peter said. He said to Jesus, Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? And he said, um... I don't have any other options. But that's actually coming from a heart that's been conquered by Jesus. 
where he's seen the beauty of God, he's actually been in a place where he had a glimpse of how awesome God was. And it's not a noble thing to love God. What I mean is it's, it's everyone should love God. It's crazy to not love God. It's crazy to not give yourself fully once you see his desire for you. And you'll understand, how many of you understand this principle that, that once you see him, you, there's no reason to pat yourself on the back. He is amazing. I am weak. He is amazing. I desire pleasure and I've encountered pleasure in him that per- surpasses any pleasure in this life. We sing because we're happy, not because we have to. Because we desire him, because he desires us and we sense it, we see it in the word and we know it. And we've pressed away condemnation and despair and hopelessness and introspection and all the things that keep us with our eyes set on ourselves instead of on him. We need to become like David where David said, you are my hope for victory. You are the only thing that I desire. You are my mother and my father. We have to come to a place of weakness where we stop magnifying our, our weaknesses and minimizing his strength and trying to get stronger so that finally we can be his companion. He has chosen for you to fulfill the weaker link in companionship. He's chosen to delight in having mercy on you. So don't let anything keep you out of a dialogue with him through prayer. Don't let anything keep you out of a surrender to his love and a surrender to his beauty. He's conquered all of it. He was strong so that you could become weak in him and through that his strength is manifested. I guess it was maybe two years after uh, I started coming around Chad and Wendy and, and the church family here and we, we came on staff this past December. But I remember a few years back coming for the first time to a Sunday morning. I'm gonna ask... Um, the band to come back up. I remember coming for the first time and I woke up that morning, we stayed downtown, I woke up that morning with a song in my head, in the bridge of a song. I asked Ben actually yesterday, Ben's amazing, he just learned the song yesterday. My ENFP, uh, it uh, cost him something yesterday. But this song was in my head, and I want to invite us this morning to come out of our seats, not if you're, you don't have to, this is not a group thing, but I'm inviting you to come out of your seat and just say yes again. Maybe you've said yes before, but yes again to doing what we've sang already. It's, I'm opening my arms, I'm just saying yes to your strength, Father. I'm saying yes to your beauty. I'm coming to the, to the river. I'm coming to the waters to drink. 
I want to just prophesy that this season, even of consecration that Chad has been talking about and that um, Michael Thornton and, and all these things that are going on is less about you being strong and it's more about God lifting up your head and giving you a revelation of his goodness. There's no slow clap for the people running in Walmart on Black Friday. It's more about a love affair and more about being drawn into his heart and his glory. And I, we're gonna sing this song, but this is the, the bridge that I woke up to. It says this, it says, put me anywhere. Just put your glory in me and I'll serve anywhere. Just let me see your beauty. I want us just to come together in unity this morning to say, everything else is trash. We set our hearts on you, Father. Show us your glory. He's given us an invitation into his strength and into his beauty this morning and even in this next season. And I want us to respond. You guys would stand up with me. If, you're, if you can respond to that, if God's moving on you right now of going, and I want us to do this just even in unity. I want you to get out of your seat, come up to the altar, and I want us just to have a moment before the Lord just of recommitment to his goodness, to his beauty, a loyalty to be at his feet. Not to be strong in ourselves, but just to say yes to whatever he wants to do.